Take your Bibles out to, uh, to the Old Testament. I know you guys are thinking, I thought you guys were doing a series about what Jesus said. We're going to get there, but I want to start, if you guys will, in the book of Deuteronomy. And uh, it's important that you understand what went on in Deuteronomy and what was going on for you to understand what's about to happen when we get to the Gospels. So Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 18 and uh, so some of the things that we've been doing on Sunday night is we're going through and we're explaining the things that Jesus said. Because Jesus, he, he broke culture. He broke tradition. He, he stirred up the people. And, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Jesus would say something and they would be like, okay, that does not fit what we've been taught. And he came to introduce grace and truth and forgiveness. And, and they weren't used to that. So tonight, I, I was the guy up on, on preaching. You guys know we've been uh, rotating through, and I, we get to lead in communion in just a minute. And to me, this is a very special time for us, and we take this serious, and we want to have an attitude of prayer and an attitude of reflection. Jesus gave this as a command to us, and he said, as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of him. So we look back. I want to show you what we're looking back at. So I'll take these moments that we have to look at God's word to remind us what we're looking back at. You know, a lot of things we, we just brush over when we get to passages that we're about to study because we don't understand the severity, the intensity of it, because we don't understand their law or the culture. Uh, the law was strict and clearly defined. I mean, there was a, a, a line that, you know, today the closest thing we get to is you get pulled over by a police officer and you try to plead, I didn't know I was speeding or oh, what, you know, the, this, uh, you know it, it changed somewhere and I didn't realize it, I'm sorry sir, you know, I mean all the different things that we do, but we don't, un- we don't understand their culture was you break the law, it's over. So l- let me show you what I'm talking about in this passage so you can go back and I know if you're not familiar with the Old Testament this is kind of like a little, little over the top, but here it is, this, this was the law, this is what they were under. Deuteronomy 21, 18, and if a man have a stubborn or rebellious son, which will not obey the voice of his father, you guys listen up, I want this section back here to listen up, okay, or the voice of his mother, and that when, he, when they have chastened him, will not hearken unto them, then shall his father and his mother lay hold on him and bring him out unto the elder of the city and unto the gate of his place. And they shall say unto the elders of the city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. And all the men of the city shall stone him with stones, and he shall die. So shalt thou put evil away from among you, and all Israel shall hear in fear. Can you imagine if we still had laws like this today, how great our kids would act? I mean, we, we would never have to say, go clean your room, go brush your teeth. We, we, we'd never have to say, pick up your clothes, or do you have your homework done? All, all that would be, you'd never have to say, kids, stop fighting. Actually, if you had laws like this, they'd probably come out and say, Mom, I made you breakfast, and Dad, I went out and washed the car this morning, and, you know, I've already walked, everything would be done ahead of time. So... Everything was like this in the Old Testament. Man, if you broke the law, if you were caught committing adultery, and we're going to take you to a passage here in a minute, it, it was just like you, you, you're going to die. Now, I mean, if there was accusations and there was laws of, you know, if something was to happen, but I mean, if you were to cross the line, it's over. And I don't think we understand that 
the law was given to us to show us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And for us, we understand that because we live in the age of grace. We sit there and talk about the Ten Commandments and, and what God said to do and what God said not to do, all these different things. But back then, it was the law. And when you crossed the law and you broke the law, this was what was coming to them. So I'm going to ask you guys to do something. I want you to just put a piece of paper, your finger there, or whatever, and we're going to come back to this to close out the, the service or our, our, our message with this. But I want you to go to Romans chapter 8, verse 1. So we've been doing this thing where we pull out and, and, and point out what Jesus said. And, and this, this, this was a story. And then Jesus said, and it's like, wow, what? I can't believe he said that. I can't believe he forgave them. Or I can't believe that Jesus went to them. And uh, great illustrations that we've gotten into. Notice the severity, the intensity of this passage right here. In John chapter 8, verse 1, and Jesus went out into the Mount of Olives and early in the morning... He came again into the temple and all the people came unto him and he sat down and taught them. Now you can imagine what type of people are getting up early in the morning to gather around Jesus, to, to, to be in his presence, to hear teaching. So you've got this big crowd of religious leaders and, and, and other teachers and scholars and good people. So you could imagine it be like a Sunday morning church. So just keep that in your mind, Okay. You know, some people walk in church and they don't want people to know what they've done or messed up or whatever. And people are conscious about, man, if it, do I smell a certain way? Do I look a certain way? I wonder if people know what I did last night or I hope people don't know about that issue I had. And so we're self-conscious about those things. So you just keep in mind what's about to happen and, 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 and what they do in this next part. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. When they had set her in the mist. I don't just picture this. Imagine me up here preaching on a Sunday morning. And then I'm given the word of God and all the Christians gathered together and all the people that wanted to hear. And, you know, I don't know how big the crowd was. And out of the back, these people that said, you know what, we don't want to just expose the situation. We want to make a spectacle out of this. And. They had an objective because they were planning on putting Jesus to in a spot where Jesus had to turn around and make a decision that was going contrary to what he's been preaching. Because he came to show repentance and forgiveness and and second chances and things like that. They were going to set him up. So this is how it would be in this situation. They would start in the back corner and they'd be dragging her down the aisle or pushing her or however ranting and raving and yelling and getting as big of a crowd as possible because they wanted to set Jesus up and condemn this woman. So they sat her in the mist, threw her right down front. And they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Let's pray and then we'll break this down. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'll help us to understand the the message to us sitting in church tonight, Lord, what what you were getting across, because this is something, Lord, that truly will remind us of what communion is about and the power of this message. I pray, Lord, that you'll help us to never go through communion with the idea that it's just one more ritual, one more routine, one more thing that we do when we come to church. Lord, we've got to remember that you, you stepped in for us. You gave your best, you gave your all, you gave your life. You, you stepped in for this woman in this situation. And Lord, help us to put ourselves in her shoes to understand how precious this is. 
Lord, give us understanding as we study your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Guys, I get to point out, she was guilty. She was caught in the very act. And I mean, the whole thing was a setup for the very fact that they were waiting outside the house. Number one, that they didn't bring the, the guy. So obviously he was probably in the situation helping, saying, hey, I'll help you do this. It was all a thing just to set up Jesus because they wanted to catch him in the very act of not knowing how to handle it. Or seeing what he would say. Dragging her through the streets, through the streets, yelling, ranting, getting everybody there, treating her like trash with no respect. Total, total humiliation. The guy is not present. They wanted to make a big deal and it was all planned out. Now let's see what happens. Now you got to understand, he's preaching grace and truth, but he could not break the law. He could not sit there and say, forget the law, because he did not come to ignore the law, but to fulfill the law. Verse 5, now Moses and the law commanded us, this is what they're saying, hey Jesus, you know Moses, you know the guy you've been quoting as you go around preaching? You, you know the, the, the word of God, this is what we're going to tell you, it says that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? And they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. You know, you know what I think is cool about this is we talk about, and I told the guys, they said, what are you going to be teaching on with, about Jesus? I, what Jesus said, and I said, I want to speak on the time where Jesus didn't say anything. And when Jesus was silent, when Jesus could have said all these different things and everybody was anxiously, you understand that they all showed up at this moment to hear what he was going to say. And instead he said nothing. The Bible says that he was ignoring them on purpose. He said, as though he heard them not, like, I'm just going to pretend you guys aren't here. And they wanted to hear the answer. You can imagine their frustration. And it says in a minute when we're going to read this, so they kept pressing him for the answer. They have this girl there, and they're yelling, and, and he stoops down the right. And I know there's speculations, I brought this out a number of times, of why he could have wrote People said maybe the Ten Commandments, maybe the names of the people there and stuff like that. We don't know. So even speculating, we don't know. But I know, maybe, maybe Jesus stooped down and said, I'm ignoring you. Maybe he wrote out, I'm ignoring you or whatever. But Jesus speaks up in this next statement and says, verse 7, So when they continued to ask him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first, or a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. I don't know about you, but this had to be one of the most peculiar things, the most intriguing situations to ever be in the presence of. You know, we only read two times in all of Scripture of Jesus taking his finger and writing. The first time we've been studying on Wednesday night with the Word of God, the Bible says that God wrote the Ten Commandments with his finger. And then this time we have Jesus writing down. It's the only thing that we physically read in Scripture that Jesus wrote. And it was at this time. It meant something. I don't know what it meant, but it meant something. Now, he turned this on them. In verse 9, and they which heard it being convicted in their own conscience. And Pastor Chris a few weeks ago did a great job doing a study on this. Went out one by one, being the eldest, even unto the last and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? 
Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And she said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. That day, if you could imagine, they came to seal her fate. He's realizing that she was bound by the law, meaning that this is a non-negotiable. Meaning that there was no way for him to finagle this or change the situation, saying, hey, I'm going to hold her to the law. She is guilty, caught in sin, the payment of her sin. The law states this is over. But let me connect the dots and help you to understand why this matters to us tonight. Number one, here it is. The woman represents all of us. If you want to get the picture and you say, man, I've heard this story. Let me give it to you at another angle. The woman represents all of us. Maybe that's what Jesus wrote. Maybe he wrote down and said, she is all of you. She represents you. Whatever happens to her happens to you because if you've broken the law in one aspect, you've broken the law in all aspects of it. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Do you guys realize that in our sinful state, in our situation, we were the ones that were caught guilty And it might not have been in the very act of adultery, but it is in the fact of the very time that you lied or sinned of any way or lost your temper or or cheated on your taxes or whatever you did, you were busted, caught, guilty. You talk about a visual. We all stand guilty before God. Thrown down in front of everyone. He loves to expose our sin. He loves to rub it in your face and remind you what you did and and I, I tell you, when, when pastors fall and politicians and leaders and parents, he loves for it to hit Facebook and hit the news and spread all over the place. He wants to make a big deal out of it to say, look, it, all of you are failures. All of you are sinners. She was without hope. She was guilty. She was busted. I want you to notice if we were to draw a comparison, yes, she represents us and Satan is our accuser. This, this mob made a spectacle of her and loves calling out her sin. Satan loves to set you up. You can imagine the night before she did not foresee that the next day she would be pulled by her hair or drugged down by her clothes and thrown down on the ground. She would have never thought that that part was coming. She would have never, and I'll tell you, that's what Satan does to every one of us. You, you want to take somebody that's busted in sin? I'll tell you, you back up a few hours and that's not what they're thinking. Satan loves to set us up. He loves to lure us in. He loves to set the traps. He loves to point out when you're guilty. That outburst of anger, that bad thought, sin of pornography or what it is and make a spectacle of you. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12 verse 10 and and it talks about describing Satan. And, and, and in the middle of that verse, it says, For the accuser of the brethren is cast down. That's what he is. You know why I'm bringing that out now? Because I'm going to tell you, I have people right now that won't even come to church. I'm being dead serious. Because they said, I feel so down and out about what I've done and the mistakes that I've made that I don't feel worthy or good enough to even come before God. I've had people that say, I quit praying. I haven't prayed in weeks because... I mess up so much, I don't even know why God would want to look at me. And he, he makes us want to feel that way. So you can imagine those girls, Jesus is going to, he's going to call you out. You wait and see what happens. Girl, you're going down. This is this, you know, and throw her down expecting. Go ahead, tell her what she deserves. 
And I'll tell you, if we were to have coming to us what we had deserved, it'd be a whole different story. But let me notice, show you the third thing, that Jesus is our advocate. You can imagine being this lady knowing. Can you imagine she knows the law? The moment that they kicked in that door and grabbed her and drug her out of there, she knew at that very moment, I am going to die. They all knew the law. She's probably been in those situations before where she stood out on the outskirts and watched her friends scream and, and then the stones come. She's probably been there throughout her childhood of knowing this is the law and this is what happens. Have you ever been busted? You guys, probably not, you're not going to admit. Have you ever been pulled over by the cops? And all of a sudden you're speeding and you're thinking, man, I think I got away and I passed that cop and it's okay. And before long you just see him passing through, swerving through the crowd. And you think, not me, not me. And sure enough, they pull right in behind you. You know that feeling that comes over? I am busted. I know I was speeding. He saw me slam on my brakes. You know, there is, there is nothing. I, I am done. She knew at that moment, I am done. You can imagine, have you ever been in a situation where your heart is racing and you're sweating and she is thrown down? And you can imagine, all she could see is out of the side of her eyes, people coming up and grabbing rocks right next to her. And she knows, that's about to come at me. And somebody else coming up and saying the words at her, and I know that rock's about to come at me. And she's probably just weeping. I'm done. And there's not a chance in the world that this is going to change Because the law is the law. And the mob is growing. And the cries are getting louder. And they say, what sayest thou? And I can imagine she's hanging on every word. What is about to come out of his mouth? Because I am about to die. And then as the story transpires and Instead, the dead silence, and I don't know how long this is, but the Bible says that they, in their, their conscience, and their mind, and their heart, were convicted. And as they're convicted in their heart, one by one, they dropped their stones and they went away. And the Bible says they went from the oldest to the youngest. I don't think it was strategic. And I tried to figure that out. Why the oldest to the youngest? Maybe the oldest had the longest history of, oh yeah, I've sinned. If we're going to start calling it out, I got the most because I've lived longer. He went right down the list of all, everybody that was guilty. And she's probably thinking, I should be dead. I'm not dead. Not one stone is being thrown at me. What's going on? The law says, let me remind you that Jesus did not come to do away with the law, but to fulfill the law. Because you realize that sin is sin and sin must be dealt with and God does not ignore sin. You got your finger marked, right? Flip back there again. Let's read verse 21 of Deuteronomy 21, 21. And all the men of the city shall stone him with stones, that he die. So shalt thou put evil away from among you, and all Israel shall hear and fear. Boy, that's the law. Let's take it a step further. Let's say they really do wrong. I'm saying they deserve to die. I I, I mean, in a gruesome way. What's the law say about that? And if a man have committed a sin worthy of death, and he be put to death, and thou hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day. 
for he is that hanged is accursed of God. That thy land be not defiled, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. You see, Jesus knew the law very well. He was not ignoring the law. He was not ignoring her sin. Jesus was about to take her place on the tree. He was just going to step in and be the substitute. He was just saying, hey guys, stop. Are any of you above the wall? Have any of you not sinned? Okay, leave her alone because nowhere did he say, all of this is just going to be washed away. We're all going to look the other way. You run the other way. No, Jesus put his hand in there and said, stop. I'll take it. I know the payment. I know what she's done. I know what's coming. I know the law. I know it well. But I'll take her place. Notice back in John. Verse 18, when it gets down to just Jesus and the woman, when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man. Lord, and Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Well, she was on the ground. What happened is the jury walked out. It's not that he said called judgment or whatever. He just stood around and was like, "Hey, I guess nobody's here to call you out, and you're free to go." Because I'm about to go to the cross and take the payment of what you just did. And then Jesus speaks to her personally. I want you guys to realize that Jesus, I believe, wanted it to be that one-on-one. Jesus personally deals with us as sinners. And I love when he had gotten up. I, I, maybe he was stooped down right next to her. Maybe she saw what it was. But I know that he, the Savior of the world, was knelt down to the center of society. The one that had done nothing was there next to the one that had done something horrendous in their eyes. She was probably in shock. And then to hear the words, get up and go and send no more. She experienced the grace of God and the mercy of God. Let me tell you this story, if I was to wrap it up like this. God is a God of second chances. 